0: this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track so let's dive in but last thing nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice so please seek the advice of your physician as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the Masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash Masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash Masterclass. Cool. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the AJ podcast. Uh, We have everyone's favorite type of episode today, a story, recovery story, a guest coming on to share her experience with AJ and how she overcame it and the journey and all of the wonderful things um, that come on the other side of it and all the hard things that happen in between. So, I'm excited to be introducing you guys to Kirsten. Kirsten is um, a member of the HA Society. So I got to sort of get to know her a lot um, because she comes to most Saturday calls and shares. And I think the coolest thing about um, having you, hello, there with us is because you often speak a lot of valuable things to a lot of people. People really get a lot of help out of your contributions into the call. So it was a it was, I'm excited to be inviting you on for the listeners to get a little taste of that. So welcome.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Um, Tell me, first of all, are we open to sharing your like personal information as in like your first name, last name, where people can find you, that kind oh, of yeah, thing? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. okay, cool, cool. Some people keep their like, their stuff anonymous, but anyways, so we have Kirsten McDaniel and yep. she will- Uh, y'all should go and find her after the show and like add her and chat with her because she's um, she's awesome but anyways please introduce yourself a bit more to the listeners who are you where do you live about your family sure Uh,
1: I'm Kirsten I am 35 years old and I live uh, close to Nashville Tennessee I live in Murfreesboro Um, I'm from Virginia, but we have been in Tennessee for 10 years and my kids were born here. So I think that makes me honorarily from Tennessee, maybe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we, uh, my kids are eight, six, and four. And uh, we have one dog, three chickens. I have my husband, Matthew. (laughs) We've been married for uh, 14 years. It'll be 15 years next year.
0: That's so good. I'm, I'm interested. I haven't been to Tennessee, but I'm curious uh, to check it out. It seems like a cool place to live. And um, I also feel weird being, I have, am I on honorary Texan because I have a Texan child now? Yeah. I because think that, that maybe how it works. It's, a, <laughs> it's very surreal to me to be a, like an Australian and my husband's a Californian and we have a Texan. It's yeah. <laughs> just super weird. Like yeah. you just wouldn't think that would ever happen to you but okay yeah it's well, well. welcome welcome to the show so some people might be wondering like well you know you have these like three kids like what's what's your story going to be with aj and i think it's uh, always interesting to get sort of people who caught a case of the H. A. at like a different stages in their life. Cause we, we listened to a lot of people who had it like early twenties before they had kids. The point of recovery was to have kids, your story's just different. So will you take us, I guess, from wherever you believe it begins Yeah, um, and just go from there? Sure. Okay. So,
1: um, my youngest, my daughter, when she was about a year and a half old, this was in the beginning of 2019, so back in the olden days, pre-pandemic life, um, I, when she was about a year and a half, we knew we were done having kids, and she was um, getting near the end of um, her time breastfeeding, and typically, I actually, with all three of my kids, did not get my period back for about 18 months postpartum while I was nursing, it just was the way it was with all of them. It was just my body. But prior to having kids prior to any of this, um, I had very normal periods, extremely predictable every single month, 30 days. I could always predict. I knew exactly when it was coming, my ovulation, I never had a single concern. Um, and, uh, for the most part, I was never on birth control. You know, we had all of our kids. Um, when we decided we wanted to try to have kids, we just started trying and then got pregnant fairly easily. So all of the fertility stuff was never an issue. It was never even in my mind whatsoever to even have on my radar that anything would ever be wrong with my fertility because it had always been so ideal. And other than that, I didn't really have any other health issues either. I, um, didn't, was never on any medications, didn't have any blood pressure, cholesterol, no other concerns, but I had had three kids in pretty close succession. And, um, prior to having kids, I would say my BMI was always in the overweight range from the time that I was young, like middle school, high school on until adulthood. but my weight was very consistent. It was always the same. I didn't really gain. I didn't really lose. It always stayed about the same. Um, And I felt fine with it. I actually wasn't super bothered. I was pretty, I felt okay. I ate, you know, pretty intuitively. Okay. So then I had my three kids, pretty close succession. And I was sitting about 30 pounds above where I felt comfortable, where I had been before having my daughter. And I wanted to just start losing weight. And prior to that, I had never Like deliberately pursued sort of a diet and exercise regime before. I had just kind of naturally let my body do what it needed to do while I was having kids and breastfeeding. So, but since I knew I was done, um, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm, I, you know, I'm gonna follow some kind of plan. Um, And I was like, well, let me see what's out there, because I had never really done this deliberately. So I was like, let me download my Fitness Pal, which I feel like is something a lot of people do because it's free. And then I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. well plug in my height, five foot four, plug in my weight. Okay. And plug in my goal. Okay. It says you should eat 1200 calories, which I think is the recommendation. Did it really? Uh, just wow. cause, it, Cause I said, I, I think I said, I wanted to lose oh, like rapid I can't remember weight I, loss. Yeah. I think I said maybe a pound a week or I can't remember, but because of my height, it calculated that my, you know, resting, uh, metabolic rate was, you know, however many calories a day. And, um, said that I should eat 1200. And then that wasn't calculating back in, in the exercise that I would do obviously, but that's where it set me at. So I was like, okay, well that doesn't seem, cause I had never really, I was like, that doesn't seem too crazy. Cause I won't have to do this forever. And, um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to work out also. So I, uh, started paying for beach body because I wanted to do it at home. And so when I started, that's what I did. I did 1200 calories a day. I worked out for 30 minutes a day that was all I did at first. Mm -hmm. And it worked like it worked pretty quickly. Um, I was losing weight. It, it, I didn't feel super restrictive at first. I didn't feel like deprived because I was still eating all the things I wanted. I was just eating them in smaller portions. Mm. So I didn't really feel like I was missing out on anything. And then as time started wearing on, um, so I lost the 30 pounds that I wanted to lose. This was between March and July. So I lost about the 30 pounds that I wanted. And I was like, well, I've developed these habits. Um, I feel pretty good. Uh, I like the way that I look and I feel pretty confident. And so I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing and just see where my body sort of lands. And at that time, I was not doing any weights yet because I hadn't bought any. So all the workouts I was doing were cardio. So that was still just 30 minutes a day though. So then, um, as time progressed on, I started realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. Like when it comes to the end of the day, um, I'm still hungry, but I've run out of calories. So what should I do? And then came in the intermittent fasting because, you know, it seemed like, you know, I'm not super hungry in the morning. And, um, you know, if I just wait till noon to eat my first meal and, and then, eat in that eating window. And then dinner is my last meal of the day. So I stop eating by seven, then I don't really go to bed hungry anymore. And I feel fine, you know, doing that. It's not really a big deal to me to skip breakfast. Um, And so it didn't seem extreme at first. I think that's the way that it's so sneaky is that none of it seems extreme to just like say it like, oh, this doesn't seem crazy. And then you start doing it and you're okay for a while, (laughs) but not forever. Um, so yeah, that was after July. So that was sort of the second half of 2019, you know, the second piece of it. And by October I was adding in weights. I had bought a weight set. So I was doing workouts that included weights and different things still on beach body, still doing 1200 calories, you know, moving quite a lot, doing probably close to, um, 20,000 steps a day between 14,000 and 20,000 steps a day. And, uh, you know, by the end of 2019 though, I felt good. I had lost 50 pounds total by the end of 2019 and my hormones were still okay then. And I still felt okay. But then it was sort of the beginning of 2020 when I started seeing the pieces kind of showing up in weird ways. So February, 2020, um, I had my first late period which was really really like unusual (laughs) well i will say at the end of 2019 this is something i forget but then i remember and now i think it may be a ha thing the end of 2019 (laughs) my period started coming exactly at like 28 days whereas whereas they had always been about 30 they were coming like exactly at 28. And I thought, well, this must mean they were super optimized because 28 days is like what people say a cycle is. And I guess they're really, but now I think maybe they were getting shorter (laughs) at first. And, and that may have been a sign that I wasn't really into cluing into, but then um, in February, 2020, I had my first late period, which was really surprising to me. I was like, wow, it was like, I feel like it was like maybe 10 or 11 days late, which doesn't seem crazy to some people, but for me, when it was always so regular, that yeah. was like, oh, this is weird. It's pretty light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I think a lot of people maybe have, um, I don't know, normalized
0: having, uh, mm-hmm. having
1: unusual periods, but yeah. now I see that I just, maybe, I
0: just have irregular periods.
1: Yeah. I just have irregular periods, but I think that there's it's something your body is telling you something. So mm-hmm. I had gone to the doctor then, and they knew, you know, like I said, then I had, I was still, I was maintaining, I was, I hadn't lost any additional weight, you know, between probably like November and February, I was, I was at the same and, and that weight, um, was exactly within the normal range for someone who's five foot four. So I was not shredded. I was not super lean. I wasn't underweight. I was literally maybe three pounds away from being considered overweight. Like I was not in any body that a doctor would look at and say, you are unwell. Like they would look at me and say, you're healthy, which was what they did when I went into the doctor and said, my period is late. (laughs) And they said, that's, you know, it's not a big deal. And then when it did come, I was like, well, okay. And then um, I ended up not having a period at all in March of 2020, but that was right when COVID hit. So I kind of excused it away and I was like, well, it must be stress because now everybody's home and the world is upside down. And um, I think that may have been the little, because you know, HA is under fueling, over exercise and stress. It's a combination. And so that last piece of the pandemic stress could have been the last little tipping point of the scale to like push me in. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a period in March did not have a period in April, 2020. Then in May, 2020, I did get a period, but I had gained a couple of pounds pandemic between March and April. I had gained a little bit of weight and I sort of like panicked because I was like, well, I don't want to gain weight. Like I've worked so hard and made a lot of sacrifices I don't want to gain weight. And so I sort of doubled down on, I'm going to be really strict on my diet, make sure I really stick to this calories, increase my movement, even more two a day workouts, you know, and that was into June, 2020. And I didn't have a period in June, 2020. And from then on, it was gone. Like (laughs) it did not return until I deliberately started to try to get it back. So yeah, that's sort of my story of developing HA. and in that time frame, I did see um, my regular OBGYN in April of 2020 and I told her everything and she knew everything. And she basically tested, checked me for PCOS and then said, if you don't get a period in three months, you can do a Provera challenge. And you should bleed. And then if you bleed after that, you should just get back into a rhythm and your body should be fine. So come back and see me if you don't bleed in three months. So that was the response when I went to the doctor in April of 2020 and said, Hey, it's for two months now, I haven't had a period. And, and she knew all the habits and she knew my weight loss and she knew all of that, but never, it was never brought up as like a possible thing. She just um, did an ultrasound for PCOS and tested my hormones, but was only looking for hormone markers for PCOS. She didn't test my, um, you know, my LH, my FSH. Like my. Looking
0: for evidence of the specific
1: yes, thing right. she wants it to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think she checked me for pregnancy too, which I wasn't, obviously. Isn't that fun? I think yeah. <laughs> so many
0: people listening are just like the doctor, mine just made me, she's like, just this cup. I'm just going to check because- yeah. Maybe my tests are just better. So like, yeah. I have not just been pregnant for like seven years. Yeah, right. And my
1: husband, like she knows my husband has a vasectomy. And I'm like, look.
0: And you've had three kids before.
1: Like, you know when you're right, pregnant. Right, I would know. Yeah, I'm like, I think I would know. But okay, go ahead and check. Mm. And I like my doctor. She's been my doctor for- It's just a funny little- You thing. know, nine years. Like she's been my doctor since I was pregnant with my oldest. So she's known me a long time. Yeah. It's just a funny little thing. Yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, that was my development of it and um yeah, and how it began.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So what at what moment we did you realize what was actually happening?
1: So it took a while. Um so I went through basically the second half of 2020, you know, June to December. Um, just, I think developing every HA symptom one by one nice. slowly, but surely realizing, well, the, I did realize my hair was falling out prior to losing my period. And I did have my doctor check my thyroid, which was normal because I was like, my hair is falling out. And they were like, uh, cause I, you can see, I have a decent amount of hair mm-hmm. and even still, it's not as thick as it was. And my hair was long. And so I think they looked at it and were like, your hair looks fine. Mm. But I know that it was falling out. So um, yeah, then I was, I had actually lost additional weight through the second half of 2020 and was really pushing very hard, but seeing the symptoms coming up one by one and um, by, I think it was November of 2020, I finally was like, I need to do this Provera challenge, whatever she said, I need to do this because I haven't bled yet. So I did it in November. And of course I didn't bleed. And I was like, well, she said that was bad. So I should go back to her. So I went back to her in December, 2020. And she was like, that is bad. And then um, at that point did not run labs again, which I don't know why, but didn't run labs. Didn't even say HA, nothing. She was like, well, you last had a period when you were about 10 pounds heavier. So you should gain about 10 pounds back and you should probably get your period. But in the meantime, I'm going to put you on a month of birth control because you need to be bleeding. And if you don't bleed after that, then we really have a problem and you need to come back. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Mm-hmm. And she never, again, never said HA, never said anything about um, that. It might be under fueling over exercise. She just mentioned gaining 10 pounds, which didn't like really compute with me. Cause I was like, okay, but even then that was my period was starting to get weird at 10 pounds heavier. So I was like, okay. And I had, like I said, I was never on birth control before and I really didn't want to be on it. And I knew I was having all these other symptoms, you know, that I was, um, peeing all of the time. My nails were breaking. I was cold. I was depressed, no sex drive at all. Um, and I thought I'm just depressed because of this pandemic and being home and now it's winter And maybe I'm just depressed, but then the more and more, and I'm like, but I don't have my period and I'm so tired, like, like sometimes went to do my workouts and like, couldn't even like lift my legs. And I was like this, you know, I am, and, um, at my physical, my cholesterol had come up as high and they were, and I was like, why would that be high? Because I'm eating the healthiest I've ever eaten. I'm moving more than I've ever been moving you know, and, um, this doesn't make any sense. And I couldn't really process it all. And that's when I just started looking it up myself. Cause I was mm. like, something is not right. This does not make sense. This must have a, there must be something to this. Do you this feel like,
0: happen. do you feel like if your doctor had been like, had kind of taking you through a sort of a lifestyle question there, like had sat back and said, Oh, okay. How much are you eating? How much are you working out? how are you feeling at the moment about like stress? And like kind of, I noticed that it helps a lot of people to have this like this other person just present to you your life. Yeah. <laughs> because people for some reason, especially as we add things one at a time, we don't seem to connect very quickly that it's like, it's the way we're living our life.
1: Right, yeah. Well, and you know, the thing was I told her um, everything I was doing. And she knew, and she said, are you training mm. for a show? Like, um, like a fitness yeah. competition. And I was like, no, no. And it really mm. like surprised me because I didn't think that the things I was doing were that crazy. But then when I told my husband that he was like, Kirsten, do you, do you realize the doctor thinks that you're doing behaviors that are enough to be training for a fitness
0: competition?
1: Like, yeah.
0: and <laughs> like it makes sense. Like the yeah. doctors just don't, um, you know, they've heard about it at some conference or in class or wherever they heard about it. And with these, like, you'll typically see it in these people. Yeah. Right. And so that in between, it's hard for them to spot that you're actually also falling into that category.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why she was asking, oh, she asked me a lot if I had an eating disorder. She asked me multiple times. She said, are you throwing up? Are you eating? And I was like, I'm not throwing up. I'm like, I, I am eating. Like, I'm like, I'm eating, I'm just eating this amount of food in this, like, the other thing that
0: also makes it hard for doctors is because a lot of them also, um, you know, think that a low calorie diet is also healthy. Like that, that like what you're doing is actually not a problem. So this is, this is weird. Yeah.
1: Yep. So that was, that was the point where I was like, this was December of 2020. And I was just like, some, this has to have a name. This has to, ha- this has <laughs> yeah. to, a name, this is. Yeah, my visitor has cut it again. Very good. <laughs> Iris is here. My youngest. Um, anyway, she's always, she's
0: always popping into really pretty much is. every call
1: you're ever on. <laughs> she likes to say, hello. <laughs> well, you can close it or as long as you sit quietly. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was when I just started Googling and I think I just listed my symptoms on Google listed, no period. And then something about hypothalamic amenorrhea came up mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I don't, I was reading it. And I think it was one of the pages, the first ones that come up, they tend to say like in underweight individuals or mm-hmm. in athletes. Ooh, and okay. I was like, I'm not
0: underweight. And
1: you have to be quiet. Okay. Okay. okay you can't talk. <laughs> I was like, I'm not underweight and I'm not an athlete. Um, and I was like, but I have all these symptoms and it's the only thing that really makes sense. And um, I need to look further into this. That's basically how
0: it started. Yeah, you just have like those, a moment where you're like, maybe I'm just super sensitive. Like maybe this is me and I'm I'm not, I, my body's just really sensitive. And yeah. I, I do have HAL, like the, the seed gets planted and then begins the inner conversation of like, no, copy me, but yeah okay so you started looking into it and at some point we're like yeah this this makes sense this is me was it was it very black and white like oh okay now I need to solve this or what yeah was it easy was it hard what did you have to do specifically for yourself
1: yeah so I think it was hard in the beginning it was it was very hard to accept yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay um, it was hard to accept in the beginning. It was hard for me to admit that was the problem and also to recognize I like that I was going to have to um, change habits, change the sort of identity that I had built over almost two years, you know, of of, of working out, of something I was very proud of. Um, okay, go ahead. And something I was super proud of and something I was like... Talked you know, people were complimenting me oh left stop, and right. Stop, stop. stop. Mm. Hold on. Wait,
0: wait, wait. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice what we tend the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today. So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect. And then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist. All you have to do is go to the forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there
1: okay I've returned okay
0: so um
1: yeah it was it was very difficult because people were very as you know in general people are very very complimentary when Mm -hmm. you lose weight you're doing the thing that you're supposed to do like after you have kids I had (laughs) a lot of um I had a lot of praise compliments um and from well meaning people people who knew me people who loved me and cared about me and people who are my friends and also like people who didn't Mommy. even know me people saying that i looked younger than i ever had people saying that i just looked so healthy how was i doing it that i looked so strong Mommy. people asking me for advice Mommy. and um it was very Mommy. very difficult to admit that i would have Mommy. to Come on,
0: okay if you I want don't, what
1: I want to talk. can't
0: you can't <laughs> um it was I very I much-
1: tell you something
0: hold on does she know that thousands of women are going to listen to everything that people you are going to hear you I'm gonna go hold down. on <laughs> out here hold on uh, uh, uh.
1: um yeah so that was my whole that was my whole, I think, struggle in the beginning, Mm -hmm. I think it's a struggle for a lot of women is just saying, I'm going to have to give this up. I'm going to have to change a lot of things. And I'm going to have to like, for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to be going back to this body. And I've made so many sacrifices. This has become something that I've worked so hard for. And I don't want to give it up. I don't want to stop um, at all. Like I was not fully like diving in, You know head first like okay i'm gonna get my period back but at the same time i recognized that i could not let it get worse like Mm -hmm. i could not like i was like how much worse does this have to be before Mm -hmm. i do something because i recognized there's nothing like nobody else can fix this fix this for me like there's not um a pill i can take there's not anything I can do, I just have to, I have to, I have to figure out how to fix this on my own. And that was frustrating too, is because so many things you feel like, well, I can just take a pill. I can just like, it was very tempting to say, go back to the doctor and just be like, okay, give me a pill to fix this because she had said that's what she would do. Um, because I had done a month of birth control and I didn't bleed. So I was like, I could go back to her and just say, okay, I didn't believe what now? And maybe I could avoid having to um, do all the other things, which I think is something that I see in a lot of women on the message boards. And it's something I see a a lot of women Mm -hmm. saying is that there has to be another way, you know, there, can't I just take this? My doctor says, just take this. My doctor just says, do that. And if I just Mm -hmm. do that, won't that solve it? And the reality is that it won't. It won't solve it because you'll still have HA. You'll would just be masking the symptoms of your HA or um, doing some protection of your bones. But you won't won't be solving the problem. And you will still be a person who is under fueling and over exercising and under a lot of putting your body under a lot of stress, which is still the like point of the problem, you know?
0: Yeah, this is good. This is like... If there actually was a pill or something that would help, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like lying and pretending to all of you people listening, you know, that that, that, that's just not existent and it's not the right way to do things. If there was something like that, that would help. I would honestly tell you that, but we talk about it needing to be rest and energy surplus, you know, Proper nutrition, proper, just like giving your body what it needs. We talk about that because that is the truth. That is the answer. And every single time someone's like, Well, my doctor says my labs are looking good, or the ultrasound shows that I have a solid, um, like I do have a uterine lining. They want me to take Prevera. They want me to do the progesterone challenge. This is the most common one. Um, or they want me to go back on the pill. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? the answer is never going to be like, oh, okay, well, for you, that makes sense. It's never going to be that. If you want to take those things, do it for the fact that will give you information. And that's all it does. It's a test to see like, if something happens, but there's no magic pill. And we all need to like, like, understand that there's no no one listening is special is like a special unicorn where there's a pill for them but not for everyone else I like that
1: (laughs) yeah that was I think a lot of the realization as I just started the the basic research in the very beginning and the things I was learning in the very very beginning um was that I think I think I think some women jump into it and say, I want to fix this hundred percent. I'm going to do it. But I think most, most that Uh I've met and talked to, and in my own experience say, well, let me figure this out. Do I really have to do this? this Yeah. Let me
0: try other things first. And I have zero, I did that. I have zero judgment to anyone who does that. I think that that's like, that's just how we work. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that was when I started my research. And I reached out to a friend of mine. Um, she's, uh, she's a nutritionist and a dietitian. Mommy, I want to watch her name is Krista Smith and uh, right here. I can give her information too. And she's wonderful, wonderful, but I, I knew her in person and, um, but yeah, she but- was, she works with a lot of athletes And she is here in the United States. She's located in Ohio, but I was able to work with her virtually and um, she does take insurance. So that was really helpful. And basically I told her everything that was going on. And she was like, yeah, you need to eat more food and you have to take down your exercise. And she's like, you know, the recommendation is that you would eat 2,500 calories. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that like, I'm not ready. Like, I can't just, I was like, I can't. And, and I, and she was like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll just work on increasing your calories every week, you know, but the first thing to do is to stop the intermittent fasting. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. That's easy. I can stop intermittent fasting. So that was in the beginning of 2021, January, February, you know, I stopped intermittent fasting right away. Um, I was just eating breakfast, but I was still counting my calories, you know, still working out every day. And I lowered my calories. My it's by the light in the other room. I took my calories and my exercise to, um, less exercise, more calories, but not, uh, not straight in all in, you know what I mean? Not no exercise, not, not 2,500 calories right away, but, I mean my body right away was responding. It was responding with it's not by the way. It was responding with my sleep improving right away. Um, mm-hmm. my uh <laughs> my sleep improved right away. And then uh, I had more energy right away. And it was pretty clear right away that my body was doing better things, but I was also gaining weight right away. So of course, I was freaking out immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think (laughs) that I went through what a lot of people want to do is they just don't want to do it anymore. They want to stop because you don't know how long it's going to take. I think a lot of the issue in the beginning was me saying, how long is this going to take? you know because at that point i had been without a period for 6 months and which is not that long now that i've met a lot of people with ha compared to some people um but it was a long time for me and i felt bad enough that in other ways and i remembered you know feeling good which is i think a point that i Mommy, that i make to a lot of people so there was There was a lot of people um, in the groups who've had AJ for so long that they forget what it feels like to be normal, I think. So I had not forgotten what it feels like to be normal yet. So I still remembered, you know, feeling better. I remembered having a sex drive. I remembered times where I just wasn't freezing all the time. I wasn't peeing all the time. I was sleeping and had energy and, um, you know, a lot more effortless relationship with food and movement in my body and less stress and everything. And I, I had all that in my recent enough memory that it was a good motivation to be like, I want that again. Um, but it was very, very hard. The beginning part I think is the hardest part because that's when you constantly are like, okay, when is this going to happen? What's, how long is it going to take? Um, what does my body need me to do? I don't want to change all these habits all at once. Like it's very, very mentally exhausting. And that's why I try to, to talk it through with a lot of other women because like it's hard <laughs> it's super hard um yeah mentally exhausting is a good word for it. yeah it's just a lot to process at once and to just believe and trust that your body is going to respond when it's ready to respond when you have fueled it enough when you have given it what it needs to have healthy hormones and for your hypothalamus to work again and just trusting that if you just do these things it's going to happen but it's not going to happen in any specific time
0: frame it's going to
1: happen when it happens
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and it's kind of like it it doesn't have to have any more meaning than that right oh, once see. it has what it needs it will do the job it doesn't mean good or bad or whatever um
1: yeah it's yeah. not because like it's not and it doesn't correlate to how long you've had it how short you've had it how long you've had HA? How you know it doesn't correlate to a lot of different things. It's
0: yeah. just it correlates to what you were deficient in and what yeah. you need and how how soon your hypothalamus feels like this is this is consistent enough. This is like there's so much to it that we just don't really understand. But I think that we can completely just deduce right that there's an individual physiology yeah. of everyone that is unique and yeah, that must be honored.
1: Exactly. I think that's the part that I think stressed me out probably the most in the beginning was just the unknown, but she gave me, Krista gave me really good recommendations. She was awesome at giving me things to eat, you know, saying like, how can you add things to your meals? Um, You know, adding, adding fats to your meals. She's like, I want half your plate to be, you know, a carbohydrate. And I want you to have a fat with every meal and, you know, have your protein. But of course, before, as a lot of people are eating, mostly protein. She wanted it to be, she's like, and it can be whatever carbohydrates you want. It can be potatoes. It can be rice. It can be quinoa. It can be squash. It can be bread. It can be fruit. Um, You don't have to think of it as like, well, I'm just going to like this. I I think the thing that frustrates me the most is I see a lot of women that are like, well, I'm not going to go the completely opposite direction and just ruin my health. And I'm like, okay, first of all, having HA is not good. Like that is bad for your health. It's bad for Mm. your bones. It's bad for your heart. Um, It's bad not to have a sex drive in general. I would say most women enjoy having a sex drive to some degree. Um, It's bad for your sleep. It's bad for your cortisol levels to have HA. So I'm like, it's not, you're not healthy now. I'm like, what you are now is in a smaller body, most likely than you were, or a smaller body than you will have when you're recovered at least to say that, like you will have a larger body to some degree when you recover from HA and that's what you're afraid of. You're not really afraid of ruining your health. You're afraid of gaining weight. And that's what I was afraid of. And I think that's when people say, well, I'm afraid of what this is going to do to my health. What they really mean is I'm afraid that I'm going to gain weight. And more often
0: than not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I would say that to, to the people who feel that. I also understand that feeling, but I'm, I'm thankful in a way that I, that I had lived in a heavier body before that was healthy. Obviously my heavier body uh, gave me three children. My heavier body could do all the things I wanted to do. My heavier body had good labs. Like I didn't have health issues in a heavier body. And my health issues came when I over-exercised and I underfueled. but I was living in a conventionally attractive, societally-approved body. Yeah. And that is, I think, the biggest takeaway for me um, and for a lot of women who, who have maybe had HA for such a long time that they don't know where their body is gonna go, my response would be, wherever your body goes, when you are fueling correctly, and exercising in a way that your body can like sustain a period, like wherever your body ends up under those conditions is a healthier body than the smaller body you're in when you're under fueling and overexercising, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that's the main takeaway that I got from, from everything is just that, um, you know, you, you can eat, Plenty of fruits and vegetables as you're recovering from HA. I did like I recovered from HA. And for some women, you recover from HA allowing all the foods that you haven't had for years. You know, you need to eat the ice cream just so that you're mm-hmm. not that you're not a prisoner to ice cream. Like <laughs> you need to eat the peanut butter so that so that peanut butter isn't a binge food for you anymore. That peanut butter just becomes neutral. Neutral just food. Yeah. It's <laughs> just the food. It's just food that you eat. And um eventually. Uh, you will just come to a place where food is just food and it takes some amount of time. Who knows how long it will take each individual person, but the sooner that you sort of open up the freedom and the sooner that I like for myself, that I open back up my diet instead of thinking of all the um, replacements that I could make and all the things that I could take away, instead of doing that, the quicker that I said, okay, let's add back in, full fat dairy let's add back in real peanut butter instead of peanut butter powder you know the, let's add back in real noodles instead of zoodles like the quicker that I did that and the sooner that I was ready to do that I think it was better for my mental health honestly than 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 just dragging it out <laughs> um but it was still yeah. a process. it still took um for me it took four months till my first recovery period from when I started mm-hmm. recovering so
0: yeah I like and four months is just that's a solid amount of time like it's a long time it's also not a crazy long time it's just that's just how long it took end of story that was your yep reality and you know because you took your own unique path to getting there which was like working with Krista making some changes introducing more changes like discovering things about yourself that you like were putting labels on things you know that are good or bad or better or worse and slowly breaking that down so congrats very awesome and you're on period number what now like six
1: Six. I just finished my sixth one and like we've talked about a lot in the group I'm still working on getting them back to you know a normal every 30 day cycle I'm still dealing with weirdly long follicular phases and very normal luteal phases and all my recovery periods have been different lengths but I think they've been like you know, 43 days, 39 days, 41 days. This last one was 37 days or 36 days. So we're, it's up and down and it's still a process. Like it didn't go from, um, no period to like every 30 days, yeah. regular per- perfect. And I think that's another thing. A lot of women freak out because they're like, Oh, I've had one recovery period, but now it's, you know, 50 days and I haven't had my second. What do I do? Well, you just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>
0: you're like, oh. what you're doing if like just keep checking in are you doing all the things yeah Are older habits slipping back in because i think you know we have sort of we're kind of figuring out with you that you're having these like long follicular phases these delayed ovulations and there's probably something happening each month to month that's like making it change but you're like slowly narrowing down on what that is and-
1: yeah yeah and i've had to you know, take down my exercise, take away exercise, you know, Mm. um, change my sleeping patterns, you know, take, I took out all caffeine when I started recovering my period completely. Um, I think it's just a learning curve and a process where you just say like, what does my body need? And I think the other, I think maybe it's a misconception is that, a lot of people, you know, I think women with HA, we are a lot of type A people and we like rules and structure and we like predictability and we like to have control. So we like the idea that's like, okay, I will eat 2,500 calories. I will stop my exercise. Therefore I will get my period. And then after three very normal recovery periods, I will start my exercise again and everything will be okay. And that is not true at it has not been true in my experience and it has not been true for, I would say most of the women that I have met.
0: It's highly individual. It's highly yeah. individual.
1: Exactly. It's not just like a A equals B equals C. Like we want an equation. We want this to be, uh, we just want it to be something. Cause like exactly with diet, you know, it, People want it to be like, if I eat this many calories and exercise this much, I will lose this much weight. And then Mm -hmm. I can just go back to eating how I was and my body will just stay smaller. And that's not true either. And it's the same for HA recovery is that, yes, you can do all the things and you may not get a period for this amount of time. Who knows when you will. And then once you do have one after you've had three, it doesn't mean you can jump back in because your body might really not like that. Uh, if you just go straight back to doing what you were doing before that quickly, um, and you know, I I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've, I've heard I've read a lot of articles. I for me, like just hearing other stories really helps. And I've heard other women say like they had to take a break from sort of intense exercise for even a year because their body was just too sensitive. Um, and in the beginning I was like, well, that sounds insane, but now that I've had a lot more time and met a lot more people, I'm like, well, that definitely makes sense that that could be the case because, um, you, I think the body is very sensitive for longer than we think just because, um, the body wouldn't have shut down its reproductive system. If it wasn't under a lot of stress, like your body didn't do that just like for fun, like it's kind of a lot. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's a good way of putting it. Like it
0: didn't just do that. Like, cause it could. Right. It, it did it because it had to.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it had to keep your heart beating and your lungs working. So uh, it had to shut down your entire reproductive system and your hypothalamus stopped talking to your body, which is bad. So that's kind mm-hmm. of how I think of it. Like my body wouldn't have done it if it didn't have to. And it's a very protective function of your body. And Mm -hmm. so if my body felt like it was under that much attack and it was in that much danger, then it's going to take a lot of reassuring and a lot of, um, a lot of care to get it back to a place where I can move my body in the ways that I want to move it without sending myself straight back into HA, which I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do. I don't aspire to like, to be that way again, because I still feel like, you know, I'm still getting better every day. And I, I don't want to put myself back in a position where I'm, where I'm bad again, you know? I know. Yeah, I
0: do. Yeah. I love it. I, I think that I think that it's refreshing to, you know, have stories and people that. come on and talk about the fact it's that like, it's not, necessarily just, I ate, I started eating and I got my period back. And then it was like happy days. It's, you know, I started doing this. I took a long time. I researched, I dipped my toe in, I dipped it in further. I walked up to my waist. I, and then, you know, I did the thing and I had all these realizations and I'm still in the thing and it's okay. Like I'm still, I'm getting your period back's like the halfway point maybe, you know, and then there's, optimizing it getting it back to a a healthy functioning place and the reality is this takes time and we need to like we need to stop putting so much pressure on our body to get healthy like we put so much pressure on our body before to you know get your body back after having a kid to um to lose all this weight and to just be all the things to everyone and the reality is for you as well, there was probably added stress of like be, you know, have the perfect body, be the perfect mom, be the perfect wife, and handle it all in a pandemic while everyone's in the house 24-7. Like that shit, there's nothing you can do about that, right? Like that that part's out of your control. So you have to have patience and grace for yourself that the process is going to take as long as it's going to take. And now you have your period and just working on getting it back. And the process is going to sorry, get it back to like a the the date range, the amount of days you want it to be, the different phases to be optimal. That's going to take as long as it's going to take. As long as you're always moving forward and not letting yourself run back in the other direction, you're doing a good job.
1: Yeah. I think I think that's just what a lot of Oh, a lot of women need that kind of encouragement just to be reminded, like if you're doing the things and you know that you are you're doing it and you're doing um the resting and the fueling mm-hmm. and eliminating your stress as much as you can and looking at your sleep and all the things that you that you are prioritizing. If you're doing those things, then you're working towards health and it may take a while. It's mm-hmm. just and even when you're, you know, on the other side of it. Um, I think a lot of the frustration I, that I see is my own too, is that okay, I've gained this amount of weight. Here I am in this body and things still aren't right. What else am I supposed to do? which is super frustrating and I get it like for sure. like now I'm sitting in a body that is classed as overweight on the BMI, which is um, like it's it's hard, I would say, to process. like it's frustrating in a lot of ways to say like, well, why can't I be in that smaller body? Why did I have to do this? Why did this have to be the way that it was for me? Mm -hmm. Why does my body need to be at this size to have a period instead of being at the other size? You know, all of that is super frustrating. And um, to just still be surrounded by the messages that are like, well, you still could lose weight. You know, you can do this, you know, you could lose weight again. Yeah, you just have to do it a different way. You know, you could just do this or that. And like, mm-hmm. sure you could, but at the same time, do you want to be putting yourself in a position where you're um, always thinking about food again? Like where, where that's the only thing that's on your mind, where, where mm-hmm. you're just so concerned about maintaining a certain size, or is it just about like actually living life which is kind of the thing that I wanna do in the future? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, instead of, so it, I'm still in that place where it's like, well, here I am now, I don't appear on the outside healthy before I did appear on the outside healthy. Um, but no one could see what was going on on the inside and still no one can see what's going on on the inside. And I always feel like I'm trying to explain myself now and saying like, no, actually now I, I'm actually healthier than I was a year ago. You know, a year ago I didn't yeah. have a period and now I do. Um, and now I'm 30 pounds heavier and I'm actually healthier, which is so, I feel like in where we live, it sounds
0: crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's a whole it's other. True. <sighs> yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that in at least a generation or two to come, this is a, a more known thing and people have like more realistic expectations of themselves and, or actually just, no expectations of themselves would actually be better. And the expectation was that you lived your life and, you know, you just didn't even, in a perfect world, we wouldn't know what we look like, right? Because we invented cameras and we invented mirrors and we invented all these things that allow us to become so hyper-focused on those things. Uh, But in a perfect world, we wouldn't have them and there's not a lot we can do about it. And know, everyone taking this path is just doing a big brave thing honestly because it's very easy to just allow yourself and most people do just allow yourself to like follow the mold and um listen to what is being told to us by the media which is all bullshit but where you know we the people listening to this show you like are actively making a choice to challenge that and that's um I feel like that's where it begins.
1: Yeah, I think so. I hope for that for my kids and especially my daughter. Like I want that Mm -hmm. for them. And, um, you know, that I, I truly felt like last year, I mean, I have never, ever gotten more praise and compliments than when I lost weight. There is nothing else I have done in my life. I cannot. I mean, I've had three children. Like, there is nothing in my life that people have complimented me more on than losing weight. I have never had a greater achievement in the eyes Mm. of the people around me. And that's a bummer. Like, that's sad. I think it's a sad indictment on the people. And I'm not even saying that because, like, I'm not even just talking about my friends. I'm just talking about strangers, whoever. Yeah. And I like my friends and family love me, and I know they do. And they were, complimenting me more about that and i think we should just live in a place where we compliment so many other things about each other Uh um that the greatest thing someone does doesn't isn't ever that they lost weight and changed their body into a smaller body uh because that is such a fickle thing that will not last a lifetime that my body is going to continue to change i assume for the next 60 years or however many years i'm blessed with on this earth and um I just don't really see uh, a world where I stay this exact same size no. forever, and I don't think many people do. And so, I think it's easier if you just get to a point where you say, "I'm I'm going to really focus on the things that matter and are going to matter forever." Um, because if the greatest thing I ever did was maintain my exact weight and size until I died, that would not be a, a very yeah. satisfying life.
0: That's a good question to close out on for everyone listening. Right? Is like, what do you really want? the legacy or whatever you leave behind or how you touched and impacted other people do you really want it to be about how you looked you know yeah that's the question (laughs) yeah and that that will guide you if you just check in with things like that check in with your why and your impact and your purpose and Um, when we're not, when we're not checking in and keeping those things front of mind and, and having a real like heart to heart with ourselves about why what you're doing in recovery is important. It makes it much harder to keep moving forward every day.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. But the, the HA society has been a huge benefit. I think I joined at the beginning of March and it's been like, I would say a place where I felt so much support and just, um, I feel like a lot of other groups that I have been in that I was in before, There was a lot of rules. You weren't allowed to say a lot of things. You weren't allowed to post pictures. You weren't allowed to be personal. And I wanted a place where you could really talk about what was actually happening. And I felt like I wasn't finding that till I joined the HA Society. So that's where I really, where I've really appreciated that you can really say what you think and what you're experiencing and you're not gonna get deleted which happened to me in other groups. Oh yeah, posts were deleted. My comments were deleted because they didn't follow some strict guideline about what you were and weren't allowed to say, and you weren't allowed to actually say how you were feeling on a particular day. So I really appreciate the AJ Society for that. That was
0: the thing when I went into it. I I was like, well, a what? How can I make sure it's different to like existing things, and b let's do an experiment, right, and see like what happens for some people when you're allowed to like just tell the truth. Yeah. What happens? Um, And I, you know, fully willing for it to be wrong, fully, fully willing uh, and ready to see like, Oh, okay. I see why everyone has all the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Let me do that. Let me do that. But uh, it's been over a year and haven't needed to bring in any rules around how people talk. Like if think certain topics of conversation are triggering for you, then it's just not the place for you. And there's places that censor and, create an environment that works for you but if you're people like us who are happy to be like this is how many calories i've been eating and i'm doing this much exercise and i still don't have my period like what do you think and that way it's that's not necessarily triggering other people it's now we can all come come to you and be like girl you are not eating enough and you, yeah like we can objectively tell you we don't have to give you some frou-frou answer because you're giving us the data and we without well, we can tell you the truth. And yeah. I know I'm going on a random a ranch, but yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing all of your story. Where can people um you know come to you and say you that your story resonated with me? Thank you so much. Where can people do that?
1: Yeah, well, I'm in the HA society, so you can find me in there. Uh And uh, I'm on Instagram is probably the easiest place to message me. Mm. So that's just Sir Kirsten. It's S-I-R-K-I-R-S-T-E-N. Kirsten McDaniel, you'll find me, but I'm around. I'm easy to find. And I will always engage with people about HA because I really appreciated everyone in the beginning who was able to talk Mm. to me. And I think a lot of people maybe stop engaging with the community once they get their period back, which I feel like mm. is a bummer because the people who've gotten it back are the ones that you need to like that's make like there's know- a
0: mix. I feel like, you know, yeah. one, one or two out of every like 10. Yeah, develop a kind of interest that lasts much longer. And some people come and they get what they need and they go, and that's okay. It's totally yeah. okay. But we definitely appreciate the people like you and everyone else in the group who knows who they are that like stick around to keep advising and keep helping. Um, those those people are very special.
1: Yeah, very special. I really I liked having that from in the beginning. So I hope that I can be that for other people because it is a lonely road if you don't have a community.
0: You definitely are that for lots of people. Oh, yeah. thanks! Yeah, definitely are. I get a lot of a lot of people tell me like, oh, I talked to talked to Kirsten about it, and or like when we have you in the community calls, there's people are always in the comments who are just like, yeah. yeah, just to like tack on to what Kirsten said because like oh my- you know, that really made like that's what happened with me, and you know that's how I know that that's how I know that it's wildly helpful to have people with experience coming and sharing Uh, sounds like you have a little one you need to get to but thank you so much guys everyone go uh chat with her if it's something that would be valuable to you i hope everyone has a really great day and i'll see you guys next week all right iris say bye 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 iris (laughs) hey there it's me danny and i want to tell you about temp drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option so many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100 percent after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years so temp drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it it's a wearable device so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So, you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So, whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back. In the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to Tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think, too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies. Eating nutrient dense, real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So, I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So, in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic, it's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp which is important for overall thyroid function which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering Working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net.